It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Studio 6B on a Friday night, Friday the 13th, Ooh. Friday the 13th, and I'm wearing my 2 a.m. Nick and Hammer Fight Club, which can only mean one yeah. thing tonight, what even is that, <laughs> top of the hour, Rick Delgado also going to do the news, how are you? I am well, how about yourself there, Damon, did you enjoy your night off? Uh, I did. My son got inducted into the National Spanish Honor Society. Oh, I was, se llama. It, I was hoping it was going to be the French, so I could. Oh, <laughs> the, the, we, oh, muy bueno, muy bueno. But uh, no, he was the Spanish Honor Society. They they did Spanish, German, Italian, and French all in one night. Oh, nice! Wow. All right. I don't know. There probably uh, five. I don't know. Four. Three, four hundred kids, maybe. Did you guys celebrate by going to Taco Bell afterwards? Or something like that? <laughs> no. No? no, we didn't. We didn't. No, we just got <laughs> no nachos. No nachos Delgado on on on, on the menu. <laughs> no, no. no. All right. Not no. even a Pico Delgado. <laughs> no, Rick, don't call me Pico Delgado. No, we did not go for that. So, but it was a nice night. I actually had someone come up to me. <laughs> and say, could you say, could you get out of the way? I can't see. Said no. We watch, watch you guys every night on Rev. <laughs> and you guys speak great French on the show too. I hear you're great. And I said, really? <laughs> uh, it just caught me off guard to see somebody at the uh, there watch us because I didn't think we, you know, we're not really on in New York unless you watch us on the uh, Real America's Voice app or Getter, which obviously a lot of people do, but. It's all. It still just throws me off when someone walks up and says that. I took yeah. six years of French to never use it in my life. <laughs> I took um, when I went to Hofstra, I basically asked around and said, "What's the easiest A for the language requirement?" <laughs> and everybody said Chinese. No way. Yeah, I took so Mandarin that, and really? I didn't so understand I, a word. I took Chinese. Yeah. Hmm. Did and you I, really? And I got the A. Yeah. Really? And don't ask me for one single word. Uh, it's not happening. Well, then I will share with you, uh, konnichiwa. I believe yeah. you probably Sheshe. learned that, right? I know, thank you. <laughs> he learned one ton of nothing. <laughs> yeah. I, I took Mandarin at Stony Brook University for a semester, and I, um, it was in Chinese, the class. And even the books were in Chinese, so I learned nothing. Yeah. Uh, I got the A, though. It was right. They, the, the kids were right. Column A or column B? <laughs> <laughs> Slick Rick 
Slickster's going to do sports tonight. Slickster, how are you? I'm doing good, Big D. I'm in a Chinese takeout mood tonight. <laughs> yeah, be hungry an hour later. Yeah, exactly. David exactly. Zier sitting back in with the boys. Thanks for being here last night as well. What's on your mind? Anything going uh, on? Well, when I order Chinese food now, you know, <laughs> it's like $100 and there's yeah. like three containers. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, that's absolutely true. I paid $21.95 a pound for butter cookies. I was trying to bribe a client this morning. And um, $20 bri- a pound for cookies. How'd the bribery part go? No good? Uh, went pretty well. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good. All right, good. What did you guys talk about last night? Did you talk about, where are we with the Speaker of the House? Does any- <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, you know. Uh, How's that going, everybody? <laughs> some Republicans uh, who didn't were, weren't part of the eight uh, objected to Scalise. So it uh, uh, looks uh, like Jordan's going to be thrown into the limelight. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, Steve Scalise. Well, I couldn't, you know. It sounded like Scalise rejected Scalise. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It It sounded like Scalise rejected Scalise. Trump rejected Scalise because of his health, basically. Right. Um, You know what? And and how he was even, I mean, you know, I, I don't know how this whole thing is just not becoming laughable, given that Scalise is on this far away from be a McCarthy. He's his lieutenant for crying out loud. Yeah. I mean, how is he any different? I keep seeing Gates defend himself on Twitter with everybody now starting to go, uh, Jesus, is this really worth it? And Gates going, no, this is going to work out. And we're going to get someone more conservative. And Scalise is better than McCarthy. How is he better than McCarthy? I think they- Scalise is uh, a little better. I think uh, I think there's going to be a strong impetus to get stuff done now, who, regardless of who the speaker becomes. Well, it's not going to be Scalise. So here's the new person who's thrown. So you have Jordan, and now we have Representative Austin Scott, who has now announced his candidacy for the speaker. Oh. So I wasn't as familiar with uh, Austin Scott. So the first thing I always do <laughs> is I go over to um, – Say, who the hell is Austin Scott? Liberty, Liberty score. <laughs> yeah. Go over to the Liberty score over at Conservative Review. And there's a couple different, I think, um, a couple places that do these things, keep track of every vote they take, and they give them a Liberty score. And you want to throw up my screen, Aaron. Um, well, here's the Liberty score on Representative Austin Scott, who's thrown himself into the ring for Speaker of the House. Uh, in often since 2012, he has a Liberty score of a big, fat, big D. Ah. Yeah. Oh, big D. 65%. Oh, Thir- they, they, they say 35% of the time he votes with the liberals, 65% of the time he votes with the conservatives, which gives them the solid 65% D. Um, and I'm not going to go through all of the different, all of the different things he's voted yes on like passing an $817 billion defense spending bill without defunding military vaccine mandates. He voted yes for that. Funding the war in Ukraine. Oh, that's a big blue check mark there. Bottom one here, right here. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So you can imagine that'll be in the first CR if he becomes speaker, and everybody will be so happy about that after McCarthy took it out. Hmm. So, again, I just posed my same question. We're going to look back in 60 days and very possibly think that we could possibly be in a worse position than we were then. And I still think that holds true. Not only do I think it holds true, I think we're well on the road to that as of now. Because I don't know that Jordan's going to get to 218. Could we be on a worse road than we've been for the past nine months under McCarthy? I mean... 
Yeah, I think we can. I think actually we can. Oh. I, I think we can. If you get somebody who's going to fund the war in Ukraine and continue CRs and omnibuses, I think you could. Well, that's just a, a replication of McCarthy. But at least now we have a fighting chance to change it, right? Because that's that's all we need to do is is push out. Because everybody knows why McCarthy was taken out. It, it wasn't because it wasn't. It, yeah, Matt Gates hates him, but why does he hate him? Because he keeps doing things that conservatives don't want, right? I think we can all agree with that. We saw that in June. We saw it uh, again just a few weeks ago, which which resulted in him now, uh, you know, kind of sitting in the back and, uh, you know, addressing his butt hurt wounds. Uh, but right now, what I think is going on in the House, you know, Scalise dropping out and, and people pushing for Jordan. Um, I think now what you've got with some of these uh, House representatives that are finally out from the uh, out from the uh, umbrella of uh, Kevin McCarthy, thinking, ah, you know, they t- they're turning it into a hog a hog showing session where they're gonna be like, look what I can do, I got power too, Matt Gates. How about that? I'm gonna say this. Basically, all they need is somebody like a Trump eh, who could walk in and say, look, if you guys don't support this guy. Trump, uh, Trump endorsed right, Jordan. Right. Uh, uh, but if he comes, won the thing. But if he yeah. comes in and says, look, in a private meeting, maybe they have their private meeting. I don't know how that works. Um, private meeting and says, look, if you guys don't get behind Jordan, I will make sure you are all primaried. But Trump and, might be. And, yeah. and at least half what, of them would be like. Thre- what, the, what threat is there? Most of the candidates he backed lost in 22. But Trump, Trump might about? be was, right about Jordan, two, though. 220 and Jordan uh, might be 12. the guy. Trump, in the end, might be right about Jordan becoming the speaker at this point. I mean, if I don't know that, you know, I mean, again. Austin Scott's like a lifer in Congress. He's been there for like 15, 20 years. Yeah, he's 2012. Yeah. So. A couple other votes he took, by the way. Uh, the mandate bill, the funding of Ukraine, t- both votes for that. Signed women for, for the draft and the National Defense Authorization Act, voted for that. Where the CR, where the conservative mm. position was against, uh, repeal authorization for use of military force against Iraq. The CR position was yes. He voted no. Um. So I mean, this is it's a two man race. You have Austin Scott and you have Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan, I think his I think his Liberty score is an A. By the way, I I have I'm check it, but um. I just you know. I don't know. Jim Jordan is an A, 94%. There you go. That's pretty conservative. Yep. Jim Jordan's an A. But again, this is the reality of a four-vote. This is the reality of trying to govern with a four-vote majority. It's just, you know. McCarthy agreed to it. Well, no, the four-vote majority, the, the American people just agreed to. That's what we voted for. That's what we have. I mean, McCarthy agreed to the one right, vote. yeah. Yes, but, but I'm just saying the realities of a four-vote majority it's terrible. is not easy. No, and then, you know, Santos, who should have been gone long ago, is going to be gone, and they're probably going to lose that seat in the third district of New York. That's a good point. Make that so a three-seat three. majority. <laughs> yeah. And with the House very much up for grabs now in 24, like redistricting, Things like Santos, other things. The House is clearly up for debate. And these two months are not helping our cause. They're just not. I don't care how you frame it. I don't People know, are going to remember But this. what's the long-term impact? You know, I don't know if there's a long-term impact. Um, you know, we, we need radical change in this country, unfortunately. 
Uh, we do. I just don't know how much of it is achievable all at once. I just—it's the same thing as governing with a four with a four vote majority. It's yeah. like how you know there 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 has to be some, you know, there there's basically there some has to be some common sense on what you can get done with a four. Yes, we love this, but realistically, right now we can get this. Yeah, I get it. And and if we can't even get this, we'll never get to a position where we can achieve. All the things we want. It's like we, we said about going through the federal budget, like with a fine-tooth comb and saying we wanted to fund this, this. Yeah, great. If we had a 40-seat majority, then we would have been hopefully working in August to say, here's what we're defunding. Here's what we're standing behind. Here's what we're willing to fund. And <laughs> here you go, Chuck Schumer. It Good might luck. be too late, but you know the uh, Republicans will probably pick up a couple of dozen seats in the 2024 election if we still have a country. <laughs> Um, Slick Rick's going to do sports tonight. Slick, how are you? I'm doing good, Big D. What's going on? Anything? Oh, we got the odds makers to... coming oh, up tonight. Oh, big odds makers on a Friday night. What even is that busy show? I uh, will do all that. Ben Burkwam interviewed Carrie Lake after we covered her uh, announcement to run for Senate. Ben Burkwam uh, sat down with Carrie Lake. If we have some time, we'll play that as well. Good interview from Ben with Carrie. Uh, so we'll get to that as well. David Zier is going to do some news. Slick Rick will do sports. Obviously, today, uh, the world has been somewhat on edge and paying attention, as today was this global day of rage that I think the media rephrased it at because they don't want to say day of jihad that was called for. Um, and everybody, obviously, in all the big cities around the world, New York City and every place, was as have been on edge pretty much all day and in, in Increased police presence and increased um, coordination between federal, local, state officials, obviously. And as much as, uh, thankfully, in most places in this country, we didn't see uh, any significant attacks that were that I that I saw. But there was things that happened around the world today. Um. So we'll get into a couple of those things today as well. I also want to get to. I've been meaning to get to this. A very important point by Joel Pollack and Breitbart about this whole talk of what is proportionate for Israel here and their response. And you just keep hearing these words thrown around, proportionate, proportionality by the media and by other types. And um, so I want to spend a, a couple things on that. And I got a great video uh, from someone talking about that as well. So lots to get into. What even is that? Odds makers all on a Friday night. Just getting started. Glad you're in. We're back right after this. All right, live from Studio 6B. Friday night. <laughs> On a Friday night, 17 past the hour. We'll get to sports here in a second. David Zier sitting and going to do some news. Rick Delgado's going to do the news. What even is that at yes. 9 o'clock? What's the topic of your what even is that tonight? Uh, I can't tell you the topic, but I can give you a hint. Well, I already know the topic, but well, I'm asking you, know you for the, the, the hint. for the TV the uh, audience. Right. For, for, for the people at home. I read the say. script. <laughs> right. Um, my hint has to do with, uh, let's say, it has to do with a new take on reality TV. How oh. About oh. How about that, David? 
Oh, uh, David Zier. I'm excited. You're going to like this one, David Zier. On. I'm excited. I can see you in this position, David Zier, maybe somewhere down the line. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> No, what do you yeah. think, Delgado? Uh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Mine would go. be uh, WTF is even even is that WTF? You know what? It'd be a hybrid. I blew my hint. Oh, I shouldn't have said. Oh. What? My hint should have been Hi- Harry on the highway. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, they, I could see both of them in this position. All right. I could see both of them. Both very good looking. And um... you could say that again. <laughs> yep. No. Yeah, and then, yeah, I could see both of you possibly in this position. So yeah. we'll get to that nine o'clock. What even is that? But let's start now. Let's do. We'll get. We'll get to some more news, of course. But let's do some sports with the Slickster. Sports brought to you by Mike Lindell and My Pillow. Use our code LFS6B when you shop there. Slick Rick, what's going on? All right, BD. Well, Friday night, you know where we got to go. Oh, we got to go to the rodeo. rodeo. No, no. Here we go. Ram Prairie Circuit Finals. Stevens County Expo Center in Duncan, Oklahoma. Here we go. We're going to be running right through tomorrow night. Kicked off last night. Bareback riding. Number one, J. Cole Roper. 84 and a half points on Big Rafter Rodeo's Family Traditions. $2,100. Steer Wrestling, Tanner Brown. 4.2 seconds, 23 there as well. Team Roping, we have a tie. Bubba Buckaloo and Gavin Forster <laughs> and Bry Kreitz and Rance Doyle, 4.9 seconds. All picked up $1,880 each. Saddle Bronc, Ian Price, 85 points on Big Draft Rodeos. Cheap sunglasses. Tie down Roping, Riley Rock, 8.6 seconds, $2,100. Bauer Racing, Emily uh, Beisel, 16.2 tenths, $2,100 there. And steer open, third round. Rocky Patterson coming in at 9.7 seconds. Bull riding, last but not least, Cody Hazelton, 85 points on New Frontier Rodeos. Fire code, 29.55 for the win today. Total payout, 64,152. Buckaroos, and we'll have a full recap on that rodeo come Monday. And here we go. Last night, well, Aaron and I picked the team right. We made it by a hair on our chinny chin chin. One half point, we were able to do it. The Patrick Mahomes Chiefs uh, leads uh, them to 16th straight win over the Broncos. 16 straight, the Chiefs own the Broncos, and we were on that big D. Now, the game was it was a ten and a half point spread, and. Uh, Chiefs won by 11. Boy, the odds makers were on that one. Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, quarterback Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City Chiefs won their 16th straight matchup against the Denver Broncos on Thursday, 19-8. to uh, The Kansas City defense almost handed Broncos coach Sean Payton his first career shutout before quarterback Russell Wilson and the Broncos found the end zone in the fourth quarter. Travis Kelsey made another convincing case to be the Chiefs' MVP. Kelsey was, instru- Kelsey was instrumental in the Chiefs winning their 16th straight game against the Broncos, catching nine passes for 124 yards in a 19-8 victory. Kelsey played uh, despite a heavily taped right ankle that he injured in last week's win over the Minnesota Vikings. Mahomes was 7 of 7 for 109 yards in the first half, throwing to Kelsey as the Chiefs built a 13-0 lead. He was 8 for 16, 50 yards throwing to other receivers in the first two quarters. The Chiefs took a shutout into the fourth quarter for the second time this season, but lost it on Denver's only touchdown with six minutes remaining. What saved us last night was that Harrison Butker hit a 52-yard, basically, uh, field goal during garbage time. It was about maybe a little, like, two minutes left, and they were just trying to close out that game, and sure enough, that field goal put us over the top, and uh, we ended up winning by a 
11. I mean, Denver could have scored and went down and got the two point, but the way they're playing, Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, the way he's calling that game, that team is really just kind of going south, big D. And just one more, Nick Castellanos slugs two home runs as Phillies advance to the NLCS. This is Jesse Rogers of ESPN. Philadelphia, in a year of high payrolls, missing the postseason, and 100-win teams flaming out early. The stars on the Phillies prove free agency still works. Led by Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, and Game 4 hero Nick Castellanos. Actually, former Cincinnati Red, too. Why they let him go, I'll never know. The Phillies vanquished the Atlanta Braves in their division series matchup for the second consecutive season. Castellanos, who signed a five-year, $100 million contract before the 2022 season, uh, hit two home runs in Thursday's 3-1 clinching win. One day after doing the same in Game 3. He is the first player in postseason history with back-to-back multi-homer games. That's historic, Big D. So uh, we'll see what happens. Phillies take on the Arizona Diamondbacks Game 1 Monday. I believe it's about 1.10 Eastern time. So I'll have a full recap on that when we come on the air Monday night. And uh, yeah, we got the uh, Texas Rangers too, getting ready to take on the Houston Astros. And Mattress Mac has got action on that one. I'll get into that a little bit later, Big D. That's a wrap in sports. Back to you. All right, Slick Rick. Very good. Sports brought to you by Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Use our code LFS6B when you shop at MyPillow. And of course, if you do you can send those in to lfs6b at yahoo.com when you get your email confirmation and we'll send you our shirt of the month which for october is the trump truth shirt and we'll send you we'll send you that absolutely free send your um email confirmation receipts to lfs6b at yahoo.com let's do some news news is brought to you by seven cells our friends at seven cells.com rick delgado what's going on all right well john fetterman is in the news bd <laughs> did you see him on uh did you see him over on uh what's it called the, the late night- show with Stephen oh Colbert? my god I yes mean, that i mean that's almost like got to be scripted like okay you're gonna say the most ironic thing ever did you yes. see what he said? Yeah. Well, that's the story that I was going to report All on. Right, Would you ahead. please? Because I didn't. It's so <laughs> it's so insanely stupid. But uh, conservatives online are, of course, well, I think the entire world is mocking Senator John Fetterman at this point for a comedy made on Wednesday night's edition of The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Oh. He said this, and I quote, uh, America's not sending their best and brightest, you know, to Washington, <laughs> D.C. <laughs> wow. Fetterman said, like, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you literally just can't believe, like, you know, these people are making the decisions that, that are, you know, determining the government here. It's it's actually scary, too. That's the way they worded his quote. Uh, <laughs> critics of Fetterman are now using the own senator's words to criticize him. Want to uh, hear the 23 seconds? I would love to yeah. hear it. You all should need to know that America is not sending their best and brightest, you know, to Washington, D.C. Sometimes you literally just can't believe, like, you know, these people are making the decisions that are, you know, determining the, the government here. It's, it's, it's actually scary, too. And. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there it is. We're not yes. sending our, our our brightest there. No, we're not. Yeah, not sending our best or our brightest. He pointed wow. out to uh, to the near government shutdown that happened in early October as evidence of some of the less less gifted colleagues on Capitol Hill. Out of ninety nine of us, he said, instead if one single if one single one of He's us gifted. would have said no, the whole government. I don't even know if I can read how, how they wrote it out. Uh, would shut the whole government down, and that's how dangerous it is to put that kind of power in one person's hands in one's hands because you have uh, some very less gifted kinds of people that are willing to shut down the government just to score points on Fox. So 
That's his. Uh, yeah. That's his quote. It's like just it's parody. I mean, it's absolute Babylon B type parody as he sits there and absolutely embodies everything he says. Yeah, it's insane. But but again, this is this is what it, what uh, passes for a uh, liberal mindset. Uh, I don't know if you caught this story. But the writer's strike is over, and these <laughs> these lamos are back on late night TV. Exactly. Oh, no one even knew they were gone. By the way, that's the best part is that really nobody missed them. No. Nah. And Greg Gutfeld is still number one. So yeah, if you uh, saw the crap coming out on Hulu in the movies, they're just awful, awful. Yeah. Well, I was going to jump into the story. We're running out of we'll time. Say, yeah, save it. Yeah, we'll do say, this. Is what you got to see. More news with Delgado. What even is that coming up top of the hour? News with David Zier. We get back as well. Ben Berkwam with Kerry Lake. Lots to do on a Friday night. Past the hour live from Studio 6B on a Friday night. Slick Rick's doing sports. David Zier is going to do some news. Aaron and Fran holding it down as always. What even is that coming up? Top of the hour, 9 o'clock, 9.45. The odds makers for a week six in the NFL. Slick Rick and Aaron going head to head. We'll get to that. David Zier is here as well. But we did a little news. Let's do a lot more. News is brought to you by our friends at 7cells.com. And uh, here with the news is Rick Delgado. What's going on? All right. Well, this story is a little bit different. And I know on Fridays we like to, uh, you know, kind of kind of break out some of these stories we may not normally uh, come across. I look over and I see this the headline of this story. What? And I'm just shaking my head already. It's, here we go. You know what? A- Listen and, to this one, Slick. All right. Okay. Check this out. <laughs> and, and believe it or not, I, when I saw this yesterday, I was going to bring it up on the show. And I'm like, you know what? Let me, let me wait a little bit, do more research to see yeah. if this is a real story. I can't wait to see if the answer is yes, he was protected or not. <laughs> That's what I want to know. Well, according to the headline, extreme pastor locks himself in a lion's cage to prove he's protected by God. Yes, David Zier, you heard that correctly. A pastor who identifies who I, whose identity remains undisclosed took a significant risk by enclosing himself in a cage with three lions. He intended to demonstrate a point of religious belief, drawing inspiration from the biblical narrative of Daniel, which highlights divine protection against harm. Um, the pastor, choosing a public setting, invited his congregation to the animal park so they could watch. Um, the intention was to provide a firsthand witness to his demonstration, emphasizing the strength of his faith and his conviction that divine protection would shield him from harm amidst the lions. Mm. According to local media outlets, the underlying message behind the pastor's act was clear. He wanted to illustrate the belief nothing can harm a man of God, right? The statement reflects his deep-rooted faith and confidence of divine intervention in the footage. And there's video, but I don't, I'm only seeing the, uh, the captured screenshots here. In the footage that captured the incidents, the pastor is seen dressed in a bright blue suit, kind of, kind of slick rickish, wow. like, if, if you want to be honest. That's not too bright. Uh, not, he not only shared the cage with the lions, but he went on to interact with them, even going as far as placing his arm in one of their mouths, oh. all while maintaining eye contact with the camera. 
The actions of the pastor in Nigeria seem to be influenced by the story of Daniel, like I mentioned, uh, per the religious text. However, due to divine intervention, he emerged without harm. The pastor's oh. act aimed, aimed to be a contemporary manifestation of the tale. So there you have it. Wow. Um, wow. He lived? He survived. Wow. What happened? Nothing happened. Talk about a main event. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> quit your lying. A friend of mine. <laughs> see, see, they're going to be out doing each other all night. Yeah, I'm oh. telling you. Uh, <laughs> create a roar here. Um, was my great. friend was in Namibia <laughs> and went to a cheetah farm, <laughs> and he has a picture on his Facebook page of him like cuddling up to the cheetah, and it's like that's his picture. And a week later, the cheetah ate a photographer. <laughs> wow. So. Crazy. Yeah. So uh, according to this, yeah, he, uh, he leopard. survived. Leopard. Uh, people questioned the authenticity. One commenter posed a question about the authenticity, um, asking why are the growls added over the natural soundtrack? Um, but another commentator remarked the nature of the lions in the park suggested that they might be under the influence of sedatives because mm. it's at a park. So that oh, could be. Oh, there you go. Why okay. he was, but uh, this guy's right. in the like wild. A Las Vegas show, right? Not right. in Vegas. So. Yeah. Well, right. look what happened to well, Siegfried true, and yes. Roy. Yes. But yeah. th there's guys like in the wild. They're like lion whispers, and they they like there's like a reunification. The guy didn't see the lion for three years, and this giant lion comes out of the jungle oh, yeah. and yeah. Hugs I've, seen, the guy. I've seen those videos, and it's crazy when you see them. Yeah. It's amazing. So uh, what's the uh, <clears throat> what's the um, third story in news? Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, I'll take it, it back better. to New York. I, I, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna cross the Atlantic and come back to the, uh, to the states here, Damon. Yeah, please, subpoena, <laughs> please. And this was something that we've, we've talked about. Subpoena a former New York governor, Andrew Cuomo, for deadly COVID-19 nursing home policies. Oh, uh, select subcommittee on coronavirus pandemic chairman Brad Westrup and Re Representative Nicole Malatakis of New York are threatening to subpoena former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo after he unfortunately failed to produce any documents or communications related to a state's deadly COVID-19 nursing home policies. Well, yeah, why would he? Yeah. Uh, during the height of the pandemic, the former governor made the medically misguided decision to mandate that nursing homes and long-term care facilities across New York must admit contagious COVID-19 patients. The former governor not only disgraced the CDC, disregarded the CDC and CMS guidance, but also seemingly covered up the mortality rate resulting from his policies and then attempted to shift political blame. Following a hearing... On this disastrous must-admit policy, the select subcommittee requested a transcribed interview with the former governor and called for any information he retained related to the state's pandemic-era nursing home policy and its decision. Um, Chairman Winstrup and Representative Malatakis are pressing the former governor to comply with the congressional oversight uh, by October the 17th, that is on Tuesday, and, or face potential subpoena for documents, communications, and testimony. And again, this is something I brought up. This, this is one of the first things I brought up when I heard about this story is who made that decision? Like who wrote up that policy? Because he wasn't the only one that did what for the liability issue with no, the nursing no, no. homes for, for pushing the, the, the old people back into these homes. Right. So I, you had I five understand. governors, you had five governors do the exact same thing. And, and there was supposedly somebody close to the Cuomo administration in that industry that came to them, which lifted the liability of them except, you know, um, uh, from being prosecuted for accepting people back into the nursing homes. So there was some inside influence peddling, apparently, but oh. I can't prove that, but I think so. Right. But but in terms of the policy itself that, that 
Uh, New York, I think Illinois did it. I think yeah. Michigan did it. I think California did it. All Democrat states. Yeah, all Democrat states, all five, um, did the exact same thing, and nobody seems to know where this directive came from. But uh, New York uh, and Jersey, I think, probably had the ba- the worst losses in that category. Yeah. I, I knew that was a disaster because I had serviced nursing homes with my pharmacy for many years. And I, I remember when that came in telling my wife, why in the world are they bringing these people, you know, with COVID into these homes? They, all these people, they have all these you know, predisposed, uh, you know, uh, elements. Conditions, yeah. It's Oh, my God. It was a, uh, I, remember, I remember doing the show that night because uh, in the six o'clock hour driving into the studio, I was listening to Mark Levin, and it was a caller on his radio show. Yeah, I remember that. Who got yeah, the directive first, who called yeah. in and said, Mark, I'm holding in my hand a directive from the governor, and, and she read it. And that's what started the whole thing. Yep. Yeah. It was sick. Yeah. Just insane. So there you have it. We'll see what happens again. That's coming up on Tuesday, whether he uh, uh, you know, sends those documents over or if it just turns into a subpoena fight. Uh-oh. All right, uh, I bet I could guess which one it's going to be. We'll do some more news with Delgado. Let's do some news with David Zia sitting in with us. Of course, we always love when he's here. Mr. Zia, I know you were in New Hampshire. I didn't get a chance to hear what you said yesterday about it, but what's been going on in your world? Um, Well, New Hampshire was extraordinary. People wrapped around the building to see. Thousands couldn't get into the venue. It only held about 1,500 anyway. It was a high school auditorium. But, you know, um, the support up there, I think Trump's uh, comfortably ahead by about 31 points in New Mm -hmm. Hampshire. Um, And now Haley's in second place. But there's something I've been following, which is pretty interesting, because I covered a lot of rallies in Pennsylvania. And then, you know, I was with Rick and Wilkes-Barre and then Erie and then others in Moon Township and in Pittsburgh. So what's going on with uh, Trump is that he lost in 2020 by only 1.2 percent or about 80,000 votes, if you believe he lost. Right. Um, But what's happened is and I, I studied this number as a dynamic when I was in Erie. Um, And as of January 24th, there were 4,014,000 registered Democrat voters in Pennsylvania and 3,423,000 about registered Republican voters. It puts the gap at 591,000 between uh, Democrats and Republicans. But that margin is down from 2020 now. Trump has gained about 70,000 votes, where this year in 2020, uh, in 2020, Democrats had 660,000 votes, uh, registered voters, and Republicans. Um, so anyway, the point is, is that Trump lost the popular vote in 2020 by only about 80,000. It was one point, like two, 1.7%. It was very low. Um, but now there's like 70,000 more Republican voters who've switched from Democrat to Republican since just the 2020 election, I believe. There's Democrat conversions going on. And Trump never pulled ahead of Biden one time in 2020. Um, and this time he's polling between 1.2 and like nine points, depending on what poll, Emerson or not. Um, which is very encouraging. In Pennsylvania, you're talking president. specifically in Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah, which is, you know, the key state. So, um, We'll see where that goes and how that's handled in the next election. But it's encouraging for and Trump. And you're seeing a lot of that, I think, throughout the country where the where Republicans, no thanks, by the way, to Rona McDaniel at all. Um, her, her RNC is u- pretty much useless as far as I'm concerned. But you are seeing places, obviously in Florida, it's 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 unmatched. The, the difference in um, the difference in registered voters, the Republicans are opening up. And just really piling on now in Florida, as you have no, I don't think you even have a Democrat elected statewide to statewide office. Uh, The the 
the the registered voter difference has become huge there. But you're seeing that what you're explaining in Pennsylvania and other places around the country as well, where the, where Republicans are either drastically shrinking the difference or in places where they had a small lead expanding. Yeah. I mean, if all those Republicans voted for Trump, you're only talking about him having to make up 10,000 votes about going forward through next year, a year from now. So, um, you know, so again, whether you believe in fraud or not, uh, the numbers are encouraging for Trump yeah. in, in the popular vote, at least. All right. What else is going on? Anything else? Um, yeah, there's a lot happening, uh, every, uh, everywhere. Um, you know, uh, I wanted to, I have some videos for you for later, uh, quick stuff. I don't know if we have any of them queued up because we don't, I didn't assign numbers to them, but Virgin Atlantic, Richard Branson, I don't know if we have that. Uh, there's a study by market analyst, Joe Consorti, um, who represents or maintains that people are holding more, uh, jobs, uh, more people are holding two jobs at once is at an all time high in the United States. I don't know if we have that chart handy. Uh, right now i'm gonna try um, to pull it up but richard branson gets the fake phony fraud of the year award he has the virgin atlantic awards and he gives woman of the year to dylan mulvaney here's, oh. here's, your, here's your chart by the way if you want to put it up Aaron. are you kidding me Here's your chart, David. All-time yeah. high of 447,000 people are struggling to make ends meet. This is people holding two full-time jobs. And, of course, the Biden administration last week was running around doing jumping jacks, jumping up and down with the pom-poms over the uh, the jobs report. And we said, we said, well, it was slow. everybody's got to slow down with these jobs, this phony nonsense jobs numbers. 75,000 of the 336 were government jobs, and yeah. 160,000 of them or so were, were second jobs. Well, part-time, right. Yeah. Part-time jobs. So, I mean, we're, we're, no one's fallen for this nonsense. Um, all right, we'll do some more news with David Zier. As a matter of fact, I think I, think I had it actually. Um, yes, I do. Um, Daniel Horowitz in The Blaze addressed this. Are most of the new jobs really second jobs to afford basic living, which is exactly correct? And so that chart is right on the money that um, – it's like when we talk about the CPI and this whole basket of CPI that they, they, they get to this number, which is just a, just a basket of deception is what it is. Damon, if I could just add, you know, uh, versus New York and New Jersey, where like all the Uber drivers are foreigners out in the Midwest, you have you have, uh, you know, people, they're accountants. I take Uber rides all over the country. They're accountants. They like they're successful people during the day and they're still having to drive. Yeah. So it's Yeah. No doubt about it. All right, we'll do some more news with David Zier and Rick Delgado. What even is that coming up? Sports coming up next. Live from Studio 6B on a Friday night. to the hour live from studio 6b on a friday night so citizens for renewing america russ vaught of course is the cra president they've come out with a statement earlier this afternoon 
Uh, he says, in January, in the midst of fierce political headwinds, House conservatives secured a transformational framework to ensure that a new Republican majority governed on behalf of the American people, a power-sharing agreement in which they held real power to ensure that promises made to voters were kept. Nobody in D.C. thought this was possible, and their success gave conservatives across the country hope that key leverage points to restrain the Biden administration would not be wasted. What was new about that framework was that it was not merely a set of promises from Kevin McCarthy, but that it contained its own self-enforcing mechanisms, the most critical of which was the motion to vacate from a single congressman. If Kevin McCarthy were to violate the power-sharing agreement, the motion to vacate would be available to topple the coalition government in exchange for a new one. He did that twice on the most vital leverage points that provided opportunities to check the Biden administration. Instead of working with conservatives, he chose to go into a coalition with House Democrats on those critical votes. No significant policy priorities have thus been achieved. None. Uh, Today... Eight brave members took action against the status quo that offered uh, no hope of different results, vacating Kevin McCarthy from the speakership. They responded to such treachery, both to the honor that um, the honor in terms of what was achieved in January and the grassroots conservative across the country that the fight in our nation's capital has not yet extinguished. Now, House Republicans must choose a speaker willing and able to systematically confront the Biden administration with every single legislative tool available and to always govern in coalition with House conservatives instead of Hakeem Jeffries and the Democrats. And at some point in this, he endorses, I believe, uh, Kevin McCarthy. I mean, Kevin McCarthy. Um, Jim (laughs) Jim Jordan. Jordan. Yes. So he endorses Jim Jordan. Um, The main problem with recent GOP speakers is their hatred for their own voters and their aspirations. That hatred is the fuel for the D.C. cartel. Jim Jordan will end that hatred because he has always shared our aspirations. It's why he coined, quote, do what we said we would do, end quote. A Jordan speakership will not cause an immediate uniformity of views, but it will restore the trust necessary for the House to govern with and not against House conservatives. And it will mean going on offense, finally. House Republicans will no longer fear confrontation with the Biden administration. All conservatives should rally to this banner. Jim Jordan for Speaker. Russ Vaught, President, Citizens for Renewing America. Well, there you have it. So Russ Vaught (laughs) jumps behind Jim Jordan. He wrote it, so it must be true. Um I, I mean, the the one thing I think that, that stands out between this whole fight, and it's something we haven't even talked about, but it's something that uh, we talked about last week, is what made Kevin McCarthy so, I guess, valuable, is the money he controlled, right? Big I think money. Jordan's got to come across and say, look, he's got he's got to get some of these uh, the people <clears throat> that donate and say, you got to back me, and they have to know it. Because that's the only way that's the only way these people respond. We're finding out is, and we found out from Project Veritas, or I should say, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, what's James O'Keefe? James O'Keefe, um, when, when he when he exposed, you know, the uh, the Pfizer dude about, oh well, you know, if you got ten thousand, you can buy a senator. 
So it's got to be cheaper to buy a representative. I mean, and, and all these guys operate on money. They need money to get reelected. That's the bottom line. If they don't have the money to get reelected, and, you know, Kevin McCarthy's one of these guys that has done it to people in the past, and I've heard some of these reps talk about it, these former reps say, yeah, I went against McCarthy, and uh, he cut off the funding. I think I he raised like $500 million yeah, for the party. He, he was, I mean, he was, he was very effective, and he was very effective for Trump in that capacity. Yeah, you know. he was in control of the money. So I think, well, I that's, think why that's Trump where it went comes to the down mat, to. right? To get him in January. He made that phone call to MTG, the all-famous yeah. picture of her holding up the phone. Yeah, I've been to events it. with McCarthy and Trump. McCarthy was there for Trump. Trump's been there for McCarthy. No one thinks Jordan couldn't fundraise like McCarthy. None of them are going to be able to fundraise like he did. They're just not. Um, now, uh, Mike Simpson who said he would never support Jordan under any scenario, today says he will support Jim Jordan <laughs> well, if he's go. the GOB speaker nominee, but does not think he can get to 217 or 218. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I have no feel for whether I think Jordan – I would have thought Jordan, I would have thought, could get to 218. Uh, maybe a couple people feel like they have to hold their nose on him, you know, right. for whatever the reason. Well, I mean, there, some there are some people, hard conservatives that don't think, you know, Jordan is very uh, much the voice of MAGA. They get that, but they're not sure he's the voice of they real don't conservatism. Think he pushed as hard as he could on right. these hearings and stuff. So. Yes, his weaponization committee has been weak. Uh, or, or maybe he's just got to go through one by one and start picking up the phone and saying, look, whatever money you need to get reelected, it's there. Done. Just vote for me. And, and, and that's probably that's how all these deals work. Let's not, let's not let's not, you know, oh, well, you know, I'm really holding firm to my beliefs in my just stop. Most of most of these guys are Democrats anyway. That's why they're called rhinos. They're Republican in name only. Yeah. They, they really want to be Democrats. So. Vern Buchanan says that he was not backing Jim Jordan. Steve Scalise, the way they dealt with him yesterday was absolutely wrong. Asked if he thought Jordan should have endorsed Scalise right away. Uh, he says, yes, he should have in a much more aggressive way. Buchanan predicts four more candidates will jump into the race. Jordan can't get to 217 either. So this is what we said. We could be in this for a while to find someone who can finally get a bunch of people who are still kind of ticked off at Gates and the other eight who are going to now stand up and go, no, you need my vote? Mm, sorry. So you're, none of these guys can get to 217. And so we'll see how long this goes on. You have, um, what are we down to on the CR? We got 18 days in November, about 15 more days. 30 days. We got about 30 days, 34 days till we need another CR or we're into another, a government shutdowns on the table again. So we'll see if we could get, if we can get a speaker before the CR. Um, I know they thought they were going to do this like in a day or two. I, I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to. I think they have turned off, unfortunately, what, what's, what's a big part of this Republican Party, which is why we have problems, is this Main Street Rhino caucus. And I don't think you're going to get a lot of them to um, support these guys that they're going to be putting up. So we'll see how it plays out. That We'll see how it plays out. All right, let's do some sports. Sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell. Uh, and here with that is Slick Rick. What's going on, Slick? All right, back to the rodeo, Big D. Friday night, Texas Circuit Finals. This wraps up tonight. In fact, we got uh, Waco, Texas. This is the uh, Extraco Events Center. Bareback riding, third round. Cade Berry, 85 points on. Picket rodeos, go 
Go companies, hell of a night, 2200. Steer Wrestling, Kate Staten, 3.2 seconds. Team Roping, we had a tie. Manny Esquiza Jr., Evan Arnold, and McCray Profili and McCoy Profili, 4.7 seconds each for both of those groups. Saddle Bronc, we have uh, Sterling Crawley, 86 points on Pete Car Rodeo's Border Town. <laughs> tie down, we have uh, also a tie. John Douch and Chad Mayfield, 7.5 seconds. Bauer Racing, third round. Ashley Castleberry, 15.8. Tense. That's a great time right there. Steer roping four in the fourth round. J. Tom Fisher, 11.6 seconds. Bull riding. Cutter uh, Kayla <laughs> took the third round. 86 and a half points on New Star Rodeos. Listen, <clears throat> Linda, $163,115. Oh, I don't have time. I'll try to get one quick one in here, Big D. Uh, nice story. Well, I'll get to about uh, about lions. Yeah, in, in another lion. God is good. Parents of lions. Alex Anzalone uh, heading home after a harrowing ordeal in Israel. This is a Dylan Gwynn Breitbart. The parents of linebacker, Lions linebacker Alex Anzalone are headed back to the U.S. after being stranded in Israel following Hamas's deadly terrorist attack on Saturday. Thank you to everyone who's been saying prayers for my family and their safety. Anzalone said, it's been a scary, anxiety-filled several days, but my parents are headed home safely. So many uh, thanks to God and all that helped. So that was really a great story, Big D. Talked about that earlier. The Detroit Lions, great linebacker. He was a leading uh, tackler in the game last Sunday, but that meant nothing after what happened with his parents Saturday. They were a church group, and they made it back home safely. So that's a nice story involving sports and what's going on over at Israel. All right, what even is that coming up? Top of the hour, the odds makers to close it out at 945. Ben Burkwam with Carrie Lake and more news with David Zier. All coming up, hour two, live from Studio 6B. Two live from Studio 6B on a Friday night. Glad you're in. Lots still to do in hour two, jam packed. Uh, Kerry Lake with Ben Burkwam coming up. Uh, Slick Rick will try to do some sports. We got the odds makers coming up in the last segment of the show. David Zier will do some more news. Rick Delgado is going to do news as well. Aaron and Fran holding it down. Other news we'll try to get to. Hope you all have a great weekend. Obviously, coming up, enjoy some downtime, relaxing time, family time, do all that great stuff. Um, but right now, it's time for one of my new favorite segments here on the show. And that, of course, is Rick Delgado with What Even Is That? All right. Well, thank you, Damon. And uh, man, what a crazy and exhausting and I know for a lot of people, heart-wrenching uh, week of news that we've just spent the last seven days going through. Uh, and if I didn't know any better, it's almost like they're getting us ready for the next logical step in this progression. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> Look, like I said last week, when it comes to this hectic pace of the 24-hour news cycle... Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. 
Exactly. And a few things we could have missed, if it wasn't for my uh, eagle eye, uh, uh, is this. Uh, Bigfoot <laughs> oh, spotted yeah. in Colorado in oh. broad daylight. Remember Thank that story from the other day? Of course. Thank or, God. Or, or maybe, check this out, the story uh, that makes you go, what the Frank Biden's gay porn hookup story? Eesh. Oh, son of a bitch. Yeah, son of a bitch is right. <laughs> Even Joe can't believe that one's coming out. But the one thing, <laughs> the one thing that really got my attention this past week comes to us from the American Broadcasting Company. Huh. That's right, folks. The latest in reality TV programming. It's the Golden Bachelor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I got suit gush. Of course you love the suit. <laughs> I have one like that. <laughs> Who is that? I guess with the major networks picturing out that, the, that these days youngsters don't really watch regular TV anymore, with TikTok and Instagram being their main fix to handle their 15 seconds of video-at-a-time addiction, yeah. Yeah, ABC right. is giving America the next logical progression sure. in the history of the talking box. Damon, yes. it's the Golden Bachelor. Yes. Or, as I like to call it, Check out this old guy trying to hook up with slightly younger chicks who are, well, still kind of old. Yeah. That was filmed in Sag Harbor, right? I mean, look at that crew. I mean, just, look at that crew. I mean, just look at this. What even is that? I mean, do, do some of these desperate broads not realize how gravity works? It's like the pantsuit kingdom. And what's with the tracksuit on this one? Oh. I, I, don't, I don't even know. But, hey, there's a, there's a promo for for it. So, so let's all get excited and let's get to get to know Jerry. Good. I got to be honest. People literally have been going Gary crazy. Really? All around the country. I don't know if you know this or not. Are you big into social media? No, not really. Okay. No, you, no. You, well, you were actually for a little while, you were trending on social media. Trending. If, if I knew what that meant, I'm sure I would appreciate it a whole lot more. Oh, wow. oh man. He's so coy. Yeah, J oh. Jerry seems like such a square. Yeah. He might need to get some insurance from Progressive just so he could take a free social media class from Dr. Rick. Social media. It can be overwhelming for a young homeowner turning into their parents. Sure. Now, what does it mean to slide into someone's DMs? Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Okay, we're not ready for that. Yeah, totally not ready for that. Neither is Jerry. Uh, uh, and now you're probably thinking, I'm being too hard on old Jerry, so so let's find a find out a little bit more about the Golden Bachelor. Mm. I think what I'm I'm most looking for that first night mm -hmm. is for one of those women or several of those women Ooh. to just have that look in their eye, mm -hmm. like oh gosh, <laughs> okay I found my own grand. My cataracts repaired. See what I did there? I, yeah. I do. Oof. Ugh, yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. We saw what you did there, Jerry. Yeah. And grad daddies is a joke. All right. What's next, uh, Jerry? Uh, maybe a game of got your nose followed by pull my finger 23 skidoo. I mean, oh, man, some of these women might be better off just dying alone at this point. Wow, that's hard. What? Is that a little harsh? I yeah, guess I'm being a little harsh. harsh. So let's give him one more shot, shall we? Let's see what else Mr. <laughs> Excitement uh, has to say here. Maybe he'll turn out to be a real horn dog. Uh, oh. let, let's find out. I mean, what, what a date. What Jerry might be like. What about overnights? I think Ooh, one thing overnights. Bachelor Nation is really curious about, yeah. are there going to be fantasy suites? Is that something we should expect? Oh. I would say yes. Okay. But that's, that's... Hubba hubba. <laughs> but what they would look like um, might be a little different. That's a long way down the journey. It's a long way. And I think oh, there's man. a lot of steps that I and a potential partner would need to go through to get to that mm -hmm. to make it a comfortable situation. Sure. Yeah. Ugh.
Oh, what do you mean a long way, Jerry? Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but Jerry, you're already 72, bro. You ain't got a long way. All right? Is he 72? Yeah, and neither does your That's den of adult you. diaper wearers over there. You are literally on the clock, Jerry. Tick tock, my friend. But hey. If you've been a fan of The Bachelor uh, and The Bachelorette, I'm sure the show will be great. Yeah. I imagine the dates might include romantic dinners like the uh, <laughs> 9 for 9 early bird special featuring the chicken Alfredo or the steak tips. <laughs> and boy, do I love me some steak tips. Yeah. Or maybe a nice game of strip uh, pinochle with old Jerry as he puts the moves on, hoping he, his racy retiree doesn't put her hip out. That's like Bill Gates. Yeah, that'll be fun. Van Dyke. Or maybe we'll find out that Jerry is more of a homebody, you see, and he prefers a quiet evening of rubbing that thing growing on his foot and denture washing with his new septic to Jerry and sex queen. Oh, boy, that sounds like fun. Uh, well, however this turns out, old Jerry, let's hope he finds true love. Because, I mean, isn't that what this is all really about? Sure. No. So, so good luck to you. Jerry Turner and, and and his golden bachelor journey begins. Guess what? We must now wave farewell to this golden bachelor. That's right. Oh, Here we go. God. Yes. Here we go. That's oh, Paul Pelosi. Man. That's right. Now that the wife is no longer Speaker of the House, looks like that smile is going to turn upside down <laughs> right quick because his golden bachelor days are over. And there might not be any more editions of the Thursday throwdown known as the 2 a.m. Naked Hammer Fight Club. Oh, man. <laughs> and Nancy Pelosi is a big reason for it. She's got, by the way, she's got a wall. She's got a wall around her house. It didn't help her husband too much, but it helped her. What the hell was that all about? Has anyone figured that one? What was that all about, Nancy? Tell us. <laughs> well, it turns out, uh, Damon, I think he's watching. Uh, yeah. Back to you. So I think he, he is, be. too. All right. <laughs> what even is that? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And you had hope for America. Yeah, that went uh, out the window. Yeah. Old Jerry. Oh, Old gosh. Jerry. Old Slick, you, couldn't year old Jerry. you couldn't see yourself being on The Bachelor someday, the old Bachelor? Yeah, probably about 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's a nice looking fellow, though. I gotta tell you, he's a handsome gentleman. Looks good. He's 17 years old. Oh, he's a handsome gentleman. He, he's, quite, he's quite the man. Uh, he's quite manly. Oh, uh, God. Yeah, okay. Seems like a nice guy, old Jerry. He you does. know what? Old Jerry is a little wishy-washy. Yeah, he's, he's very naive, I think. Well, maybe he's not. The I think he's, from, he's, I think he's, from, he's, he's either from right. Indiana or Ohio. I forget. I was watching. You get sucked into these things. Like, all right, got to learn who this guy <laughs> you is. You get sucked into oh, these my things. Goodness. Not us. Don't, don't bunch us. Speak for that. yourself. Yeah. Come on. Speak for yourself, <laughs> I mean, Jerry. He, he's the anchor. They Sink really yourself. think <laughs> they're going to find true love after swapping spit with 27 <laughs> right. other women. Oh, my God. You know, hold my beer and say, hold my teeth. <laughs> oh, oh man well i don't know oh man a little rubbing goiters on a saturday night <laughs> yeah yeah you know, jerry's a good looking guy we got those suits not as good as slick rick obviously but no. uh, yeah, he's looking oh, good well we'll have to see we'll have to follow up we'll have to have a follow-up what even is that in like three months yeah and see how jerry did yeah. geriatric <laughs> see, jerry's now geriatric or hey we got any uh, other old news jerry, jerry found jerry found true love somewhere maybe right. yeah exactly the one in the tracksuit i can't figure that one yeah, out I mean, that's a beauty yeah they could go a on a date they could do like uh colonoscopies together <laughs> well, yeah, she also could have the runs you don't know anyway, that's right. <laughs> you want to hear something scary too well, i think we just did we right? did. yeah we it, gotta... what's getting even scarier is that uh Brad Pitt is is about to turn sixty. Yeah. What's so scary about that? 
Yeah, we're old is what he's yeah. saying. Basically. Still ripped. I'm he's still out, ripped. Dude. Look at Tom Cruise. Jesus. Yeah, he looks great. But Brad Ow. Pitt. Nobody, like, I still think of Brad Pitt as, you know, the young guy, yeah. right? Young guy. Yeah. He, was dating, he was married to Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Uh, turns out she's over 52. Man. Yeah. Johnny Depp would be life? 60 uh, this year. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. All right, let's do some uh, let's do some more news with David Zier. He's here. He was in New Hampshire following Trump on Monday. He's got some other stuff going on. What else is on your mind, Mr. Zier? Uh, some really quick stuff. Uh, we have CNN, Aaron Burnett in the desert getting destroyed by an Israeli tank. <laughs> uh, some of those tanks actually are going to be driving by right now. I'm going to probably get covered in this, so just bear with me. Stand here. Really loud. What happened? A little moron. She got sandbagged. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Johnny Kate, she looks great. Yeah. I don't know how long you're going to want to take this, but I'll tell you what we saw. This tank battalion had been in there. Merkaba well, is really tanks. So another one's going to come yeah. here. All these guys are basically restaging. Transparency's uh, out the window now. In. And we have yeah. seen today uh, along the border so, checkpoint. Yeah, we can scrub that. You know, so what's going on though is serious situation. Uh, violence is erupting in the West Bank, and you know the Israelis have uh, killed 49 Palestinians in the West Bank uh, since last Saturday's attacks from the south from Hamas in the Gaza. And the Fatah party is uh, kind of like an enemy of Hamas. Hamas gained some control from the Palestinian Liber- um, Liberation Authority um, in uh, 2006, I believe. Um, and 670,000 Israelis live in the West Bank, and about a third of Israel's population lives in the West Bank. Uh, it's actually been 46 Palestinian killed since uh, last Saturday. So we got to keep an eye on that. Um, and we just have this quick video because it board, borders Jordan and the Jordanian uh, Palestinian population is rising up. And what are we watching here? Uh, they're storming the border towards the border of the West Bank. I mean, they don't have weapons or anything. It's a big demonstration. But hundreds of thousands have taken to the street in Jordan. And the Jordan forces, you know, which are somewhat of an ally uh, to the United States and have trying to, been trying to suppress, you know, the protests. But it could get very violent in the West Bank. And I don't think the West Bank wants any part of what's going on in Gaza um, because, you know, a lot of... Um, Palestinians in Israel work. I think there's like 750,000 Palestinians in Israel. They have jobs. Um, and um, they're even members of the Knesset, I believe. So, um, you know, so we'll see if that de-escalates. Um, and we just have this one quick clip of uh, Israeli forces taking back a post. If we have time, maybe we can play 30 seconds of it or so. I think these there there are their naval uh, forces, kind of like seals, I guess. I, I don't. I don't know that. But, you know, right now there's over 100 hostages and there's a guy from Long Island here, a kid from Long Island who's in a gap year in college being held hostage right now. Yeah, uh, saw that. Scary so stuff. Terrible. Wow. Yeah, exactly. All right, we'll talk a little bit more about this. Proportionality, you're hearing a lot about it. Joel Pollock with some very important thoughts on that. But when we get back, Ben Burkwam with Kerry Lake. We'll show you that video in its entirety, that interview. Great job by Ben when we get back right after this.
right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Friday night. Glad you're part of the show. As always, make sure you follow us on all our social media at LFS6B. And make sure you go to uh, livefromstudio6b.com. Free shipping on all orders still going on, uh, livefromstudio6b.com. All right, we covered Carrie Lake and her run for Senate. Ben Berkwam had a chance to sit down with Carrie Lake and interview her about everything she's going to do as Senate and what's going on, the problems we face in this country. Here's that interview with Ben Berkwam and Carrie Lake. You know, there's a lot going on in the world, and you know the old saying, you need to pray for the best, but maybe prepare for the worst. That means stocking up on emergency food before it's too late. And right now, you'll save 25% on a three-month emergency food kit from our friends at My Patriot Supply, the nation's leader in self-reliance. Order your food today by going to the website, preparewithrav.com. Preparewithrav.com. You can save 25% on each kit you order. These three-month food kits from My Patriot Supply will give you an abundance of delicious meals, providing over 2,000 calories a day. You'll have plenty to eat when everyone else is uh, looking at empty store shelves, God forbid. Stock up now because you won't get a warning if disaster hits. Order by 3 o'clock today, and your order ships, or I guess that's 3 o'clock really any day, and your order ships same day for free. The unthinkable can happen without notice, so don't wait for crisis to hit. Save 25% on your three-month emergency food kit. Go right now. Preparewithrav.com. Preparewithrav.com and shop before 3 p.m. on any day, and that'll ship that day, so you'll get it right away. Preparewithrav.com. Preparewithrav.com. All right, let's do some sports. And here with sports, brought to you by Mike Lindell, is on MyPillow. Use our code LFS6B. It'll save you 66% off most of the great items that Lindell is selling. Do get your holiday shopping in. Make sure it's in stock. Make sure you can get it. Start to uh, prepare what you're going to do for your holiday shopping from Lindell. Use our code. We're going to do a great promo in November, December uh, with our merchandise in, in conjunction with MyPillow. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that coming up. Slick Rick, what's going on in sports? All right, well, we got the Major League Baseball playoffs, Big D, the NL and AL Division Series now have gone to the pennants, the championships for the AL and NL. And if Astros repeat, Gambler Mattress Mac will earn a $43.4 million payout. This is Reuters reporting. Sports fan Jim Mattress Mac McEngville has put his money, big money, where his mouth is. His allegiance to Texas-based teams, particularly the Houston Astros, has both paid off and lost him millions of dollars in bets over the years. The Houston area furniture store owner won $75 million gambling correctly that the Astros would capture the 2022 World Series. Now he's due to collect potentially $43.4 million, betting that the Astros repeat as champions according to multiple reports. McIngville, 72, wagered $6.9 million on the Astros before the start of the postseason. Houston didn't win the American League West until the last day of the regular season. His pick is looking better after the Astros eliminated the Minnesota Twins in the AL Division Series on Wednesday and moved on to face the Texas Rangers starting Sunday in the American League Championship Series. McGingville, the founder of Gallery Furniture, has parlayed sports bets into store promotions in which customers get their money back if the Astros win. And that uh, first pitch will be 8-15 on Sunday night, East Coast time. Texas Rangers down in Houston. It'll be the Battle of Texas. Should be a dandy. And uh, looking forward to that. I think that one's going to go seven games. That will be an absolute battle and a half. 
big day. And, uh, well, here's another story. i got to get to this one. Trans cyclists take gold, silver medals at Chicago Women's Bicycle Race. Warner Todd Houston of Breitbart. A pair of male-born transgender cyclists took the two top spots in the women's categories at Chicago's Cyclocross Cup Bicycle Race, sparking uh, accusations of unfair competition. Tessa Johnson, 25, won first place in the women's single speed. And Evelyn Williamson, 30, placed second in the October 7th event, according to the Daily Mail. As the two male-born races stood on the podium, the third-place winner, Allison Zamuda, was the only actual woman in the winner's presentation after the event in Chicago's Jackson Park. The single-speed event was not only a category that Johnson took uh, a female competitor. Johnson also won first place in the women's cat half, winning $150 in prize money. And Williamson also won fourth in the cat half, winning $75. Not exactly big money, but just a shame to see this still going on. Uh, these pair uh, seem to take on a lot of races in Chicago. Uh, they ran as a team in mock women with their team name T.S. Astro Dolls, a reference to the female hormone estrogen. Uh, for his part, Williamson has been racing in the female category since 2017, picking up 18 titles. So I thought they were cleaning this up, Big D in sports, but of course, liberal places like Illinois, well, more specifically Chicago, they, they continue to allow this to go on. And if you go to their website, uh, they, they really, they, they do a, a bad job of, you know, getting on people who insult transgender people. So very pro-transgender. Rick, I know you're a big cyclist, yeah. so I don't know if you had any comment on that story. But well, uh, it's, it's such a huge, uh, tremendous difference when it comes to what you're able to do, uh, male versus female. Um, it's, it's so not fair. And I, I just wish these women would say, you know what? Yeah, go ahead. Gun goes off and you don't move. Then you walk away and let these two idiots ride around by themselves. And you know, that, that be your, uh, let that be your race and, and see how the organizers respond. And the guy on the winning, winning platform, he looked like he was about six foot two and totally, completely looked like what he is, a male. Uh, Barry Melrose retires from ESPN due to Parkinson's. Very sad story. I'll go through this quick. ESPN NHL analyst Barry Melrose, for years, the single voice most associated, she, most associated with the network's hockey coverage, is retiring due to Parkinson's disease. The news was first shared Tuesday afternoon before the NHL opener, a puck drop, and uh, Barry Melrose was with, the, uh, with them for uh, 17 years. So, uh, great announcement. Uh, great former coach and player played with Gretzky back in the day uh, the old LA Kings and uh, you know so we wish him, him well in his retirement and hopefully he'll do you know he'll do as best he can with Parkinson's so but very sad to see that happen really like Barry Melrose that's a wrap in sports alright Slick Rick very good uh, we'll do the odds makers coming up at the end of the show I'm excited to see that Ben Burkwam is going to be great interview with Kerry Lake yeah. is going to be on with Daniel Horowitz next week on his very popular podcast the conservative review podcast Podcast on iTunes. Daniel Harwood says Ben Burkwam will be on my show next week to brief us on our own Gaza border that is exponentially longer and more porous. States need to deport. So Ben's going to be on with uh, Daniel Horowitz next week on his podcast, which is great. Absolutely great for Ben. Um, and he deserves it. And that's great. It'll get him great exposure. It's a huge, huge podcast with Horowitz. So good for him. Yeah. A um, couple things, obviously, going on with the speaker thing as I'm getting updates from Jake Sherman tonight. Uh, lots of Democrats are not here today. If, if Republicans vote to move a vote to the floor tonight, they'll move to vacate next week. Scalise supporters are privately telling me that they'll never vote for Jordan. Tim Burchett is raising the possibility of multiple rounds again to get a speaker through on the floor. 
So that's that's where you're at with the Republican Party and the Speaker. Um, Joel Pollack in Breitbart. Proportionality. Why international law gives Israel a freer hand against Hamas than some want to claim? And he says, basically, in the coming days, as they undertake this ground assault, you're going to hear claims that Israel is inflicting disproportionate casualties on Palestinians in Gaza as it responds to the terror attack by Iran-backed Hamas this weekend. Activists and analysts will compare casualty figures in Israel, now passing 600 dead and 2,000 wounded, with casualty figures in Gaza. Already, left-wing critics of Israel have tried to equate the number of dead on each side as if it's equal and the morality is equal. Such comparisons overlook the fact that Palestinian terrorists targeted civilians who account for the majority of the Israeli dead, while the Israeli military is targeting terrorists who are typically the vast majority of Palestinian dead. Moreover, Hamas and other Palestinian terror groups use civilians as human shields, hiding weapons, fighters, and infrastructure in civilian buildings so that even if Israel attacks these sites, Palestinians claim propaganda victory. Palestinian deaths will continue to rise as Israel invades Gaza to attack Hamas and rescue Israeli civilians. Israeli casualties will likely stop climbing, provided Hezbollah does not open a second front by attacking from Lebanon to the north. That will lead to claims that Israel is killing disproportionate numbers of Palestinian civilians. But that is a false use of the doctrine of proportionality in international law. Under international law, while civilian casualties are to be avoided, they may be lawful in wartime if the number of deaths is proportionate relative to the legitimate military goal, not to the number of deaths on the other side. This war is different from past conflicts between Israel and Hamas. Previously, Israel's military goal was to stop and deter Hamas attacks on Israeli cities. Now, the goal is to remove Hamas from Gaza, and it is a legitimate goal though it'll be harder to achieve and will certainly result in more death. Ultimately, responsibility for Palestinian civilian death rests with Hamas and Iran, who launched this conflict. Israel will likely do what it has done in previous conflicts, call off airstrikes where civilians are spotted, warn residents of imminent missile strikes, and place its own soldiers at risk rather than wipe out entire areas. But in terms of international law, Israel has far more leeway than it did before, Though its critics will claim otherwise. And um, I really saw this video and I thought this gentleman, I don't know who he is, put it uh, as about as well as you can put it. The siege of Gaza, cutting off all supplies of fuel, the electric, last electricity plant, that's gone. There is no electricity, there is no running water, there is no food going in, there are no other fuel supplies going in. Borders closed with Egypt as well. Bizarrely, little criticism of Egypt for that, interestingly. Um, is that, and while raining down missiles on buildings which they know are going to kill civilians, we know hundreds and hundreds of civilians have already died, many of them children, is that a reasonable, proportionate and moral response by Israel? There is some deep perversion in Britain whenever Israel is involved in a conflict, and it is the word you just used, proportion, proportionate, proportionality. Only Britain is really obsessed with this. I've heard it for the last few days incessantly. Proportionality in conflict rarely exists. But if we were to decide that we should have this fetish about proportionality, then that would mean that in retaliation for what Hamas did in Israel on Saturday, 
Israel should try to locate a music festival in Gaza, for instance, and good luck with that, should try to find a music festival in Gaza and rape precisely the number of women that Hamas raped on Saturday. Kill precisely the number of young people that Hamas killed on Saturday. They should find a town uh, of exactly the same size as a town like Starot, where I've been many times myself, and make sure they go to door to door and kill precisely the correct number of babies that Hamas killed in Starot on Saturday, and shoot in the head precisely the same number of old age pensioners as were shot in Starot on Saturday, just to choose one town. Proportionality in conflict is a joke. And it's a very strange British concept which we've had that only the Israelis in a conflict when they are attacked are expected to have precisely the proportionate response. No, I, I don't I, believe no, I'm going to challenge you on that, Douglas, because I do think when we had, you know, the, the, the invasions of, of Afghanistan and of Iraq, a lot of people were discussing by I mean, Afghanistan and huge numbers of uh, countries involved, Iraq less so, obviously, but there was still discussion about whether or not the number of civilian deaths, that this was proportionate to the threat as perceived by, by America, no, by we, other we, countries. We didn't say that the death toll in uh, Afghanistan had to be precisely the death toll, for instance, in the Twin Towers in New York. We didn't take that view. By the way, there always has to be said, the difference between the Western way of war and the Hamas terrorist way of war is that their objective is to kill civilians. The objective of Hamas is to kill innocent people. The objective in conflict of the United States, the United Kingdom, Israel and other civilized democracies is to kill as few innocent people as possible. It cannot be said enough that Israel tries to use the IDF to protect its citizenry. Hamas uses the citizenry to try to protect Hamas. Uh, Israel precisely uses precision-guided missiles in order to try to limit civilian casualties. But I have no doubt that after the atrocities of the last week, the appetite of the Israeli public and military and politicians to continue this precision game will, of course, change. The siege of Gaza yeah. cutting... That's about as well said as you can say it. Yes. We, we killed 25,000 in Dresden in the Allied bombings in three days. In Nagasaki and Hiroshima, we killed 200,000. All right, odds makers coming up live from Studio 6B when we get back right after this. Thirteen to the hour live from Studio Six P on a Friday night. Just quickly, I know you said you liked uh, that. You like that video, huh? Yes. That guy. Doug, I love that guy. What was his name? Doug, Douglas uh, Murray, I think. Douglas Murray. Yes. Yeah. I loved his his yeah. preciseness of his uh, points yep. that he was arguing. Precisely. Yes, right on the money. So, um, all right, it's Friday, week seven in college football, week six in the NFL, which means it's now time for the odds makers. Slick Rick and Aaron going head-to-head, picking these games against the Vegas spread. Slick Rick, college football, week seven. Where are we going first? We're going to Ohio State at Purdue. 
Ohio State, number three, five and zero on the year, coming into Purdue, two and four at home. The Boilermakers, twelve noon on Saturday. OSU coming in as a nineteen-point favorite. Slick Rick, where are we going? Ah, I got to go with Ohio State. I was trying to make a case for the Boilermakers, but you know what? I just Ohio State thing. They got they need a big game. They're five and zero, but they got to step it up if they want to stay in that top four, that big playoff hunt there, Big D. So yes, give me the Buckeyes. Buckeyes have scored thirty-seven in the last game. That's the most they've scored, other than the West. Kentucky game, which really doesn't count. They've only scored 17 against Notre Dame, only 23 against Indiana, and only 35 against Youngstown State. Uh, they're going to have to score more than 19 in this game to cover the spread. Aaron, where are you going in this one? I'm going with Ohio State as well. I'm with Slick on this. Okay. Oh, both of you on Ohio State going to blow out Purdue, you think? More than 19. All right. What's game number two, Slick? Georgia. Georgia's going to Nashville, Tennessee to take on Vanderbilt. Georgia, number one at 6-0, goes to Vandy, 2-5, 12 noon. Georgia favored by 33 in this game. Ooh. Slick Rick, where are we going? That line moved one and a half in the yeah. last hour. All right, I'm going to go with Georgia then. I guess the money's coming in on the dogs. Give me the dogs, Big D. They're 6-0, 23-game winning streak, and uh, I don't see Vandy putting up much of a fight. I think that game will be something like 51-10, to 10, or it'll be pretty much over by early third. All right, Aaron, uh, look, uh, Slick's looking for a big blowout here. What about you? I I didn't know the spread moved a little bit. I'm still going to go with Vanderbilt. I still I don't trust the spread. I think it's way too big. Obviously, I know George is an excellent team, but I don't think they're going to blow them out by more than four touchdowns. Okay, so do you think Vandy can keep it within the 33? So that's I'm uh, <laughs> your total is 56. So I mean it's going to either be what Slick says, 55 to 10, or you're going to have an easy cover on your hands there with Vanderbilt because 56 is the over-under. So there you go. All right, where are we going for game number three, Slick Rick? All right, we're going to go to Maryland. Big D, we're going to go catch some crabs. Anyway, Illinois <laughs> at Maryland. Okay, Illinois, two and four. Catch some crabs. Two and four. <laughs> oh, yeah, Maryland, five. We're <laughs> still talking about the what even is that? Uh, Illinois. <laughs> it sounds like a naked hammer fight. Uh, uh, Maryland, five and one. Maryland. Maryland minus 14 at home, 3.30 p.m. Where are you going in this game? Uh, you know what? I think Maryland's going to bounce back nicely. They had a rough game last week. You mentioned Ohio State. They lost 37-20. That game was uh, tied at no, 37-17. That game was tied at 17 at the half. Some bad decisions. But I think Maryland, they're a little crabby. So I think they're going to come back and they're going to win big. So they're going to lay the 14. I'm laying the two scores, Big D, two touchdowns. All right, Maryland minus 14 for Slick. Aaron, what are you doing here? I was with Slick on this, too. I'm taking Maryland. All right, Maryland 5-1, and one, minus 14. Good offense at home. Uh, that's game number four, I believe. What's game number five, Slick? All right, USC at Notre Dame primetime, 7.30 game tomorrow night. USC and Notre Dame tomorrow night. I don't have that game. What's Okay, here we go. USC 6-0, number 10 on the road. Notre Dame minus tw uh, number 21 at 5-2. Notre Dame 2.5. Point favorite 730. Where are you going in this game? I'm taking the Trojans plus the two and a half. I love Caleb Williams, 1,800 plus yards, 22 touchdowns. This is an NFL quarterback going down there. I didn't like the way Notre Dame played last week against Louisville. They committed the Cardinals sitting. They let me down. They got smoked on their own turf. So I'm going to go with USC. All right, Aaron, what are you doing in this game? I'm going with Notre Dame here. It's hard for me to go against my Fighting Irish. <laughs> so. Notre Dame is the play here, minus two and a half. You got the higher ranked team, well, really lower ranked team. Yeah, quite a Notre bit. Quite a bit. Yeah. 
yeah. twenty-one. Hey, relax. Laying points two and a half <laughs> to Notre ten. Dame, which seemingly is the easy better team. I'm going with Notre Dame in this one as well. With Aaron, yeah. all right. So you guys are opposite on that game. So that's is that all for college? That's Lex? it. Yes. All for college. We can go to go to the pros. All right, let's go to the pros. Where are we going for a week six in the NFL? Slick, where are we going to start? One o'clock. The Indianapolis Colts at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Going Indianapolis. Down to both teams three and two. Jacksonville minus four at home. Coming back from the trip to London where they beat the Bills. Where are you going in this game, Slick? With a shirt like this on, I better be going for the Jaguars, Big D. I'm going to lay to four. I'd be looking real silly if I didn't do that. All right, Slick's on the Jaguars. Minus four with the special shirt. Aaron, where are you going? I'm taking the Jaguars as well. The Jags are a tough team at home, and I think they're definitely going to beat the Colts by at least a touchdown. I'm hoping they don't have a London hangover, though. They just took a nine-hour flight. They got back on Monday. They're tired as dogs, but Zay Jones is also out, one of their top receivers, but should be a good game. I think they're going to win. All right, both of you on Jacksonville minus four. Where are we going for game number two, Slick? We're going down to Hotlanta, Big D. Washington Redskins. Uh, looks, check that. Commanders. I'm just a 70s kid. Uh, take on the Atlanta Falcons. All right, Atlanta minus two and a half at home. Your total is 42 and a half. Atlanta three and two. Washington two and three. 1 p.m. Where are you going in this? I'm going with Desmond Ritter. You know, that young man is 31 and 0 at home between pro and college. You talk about a fantastic player back in his days with Cincinnati. I like him to really chew it up. I think the Commanders are kind of slip sliding away. So let me have Atlanta, and I'm only laying two and a half. It worst case scenario, they're going to win by three. All right. Aaron, where are you going in this game? I took the Falcons here. I think it's going to be close, but I don't think the commander's defense is any match for the Falcons. All right. So you both on Atlanta, minus two and a half. Got to win by that field goal there to be a win. All right. Where are we going game number three, Slick? We're going to the Raiders. The Vegas, Big D. We're going to take a trip to Vegas, and it'd be Bill Belichick and his uh, poultry pipe Patriots stumbling into town with uh, Mac Jones there. And uh, I'm taking the Patriots. You're taking Ooh. the Patriots plus two and a half over yes. Vegas in Vegas. Patriots one and four. Some say Bill Belichick's on the hot seat. I'm not so sure about that. But uh, Aaron, where are you going in this game? I'm going with the Raiders. I'm interested to see how desperate the Patriots are going to be to pull the win out, but I don't think they're going to do it. I think the Raiders are easily going to get them by at least a few goal. Bill oh. Belichick against Josh McDaniels, Big D, and Jimmy yeah. G. He knows where all the skeletons are on those two guys. And uh, I think Bill's going to come back and surprise a lot of folks down in, in Vegas. We'll see. All right, there you go. Uh, where are we going for the next game? We're going to go to the primetime game. Big D, the New York Giants. Talk about stumbling in. They're going to maybe uh, coming in in an ambulette. Uh, they're going to be taking on the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to blow a Tyrod Taylor. Uh, that's for sure. They got Tyrod's going to be playing because Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones is out, unfortunately, with a neck injury. And uh, he hasn't been using his head really all season. But that's neither here nor there, Big D. I think, I think after that London loss, you got a really hot and angry Buffalo Bills team. Stefan Diggs whipping those Microsoft tablets all around the field there, and uh, I, I think Josh Allen has a massive game. By the way, that is my fantasy guy. I'm looking for him to pull about a 45-50 tomorrow, uh, Sunday night. So, give me the Bills. Lay in the 14. 15. Smoke City. Alright, Buffalo minus 15. This Aaron, where are you going in this one? I went with Buffalo, too. I'm, you can't go to the Giants. There's no. just no way you can take them. I'm sorry. You can't use the Giants. Alright, there you go. Is that it? There's another, another giant loss. Yeah, oh. That's it, Big D. That's it. Oh, okay, what are you doing in Philly Jets there, uh, Aaron? 
Oh, oh, I don't want to talk jets? about it. No, I, okay. <laughs> obviously, go I'm going to go with my Jets, but I'm a little nervous. But I feel like both teams have work to do in the red zone. I so got, I think I it's going to come down to that. I got your Jets, too. Jets with a big upset here. They're going to cover no. the six and a half. I think they are. Green yeah. Bay. Yeah, I mean. Philly I, would be more than a touchdown if it was going to be a blowout. The fact that they're under a touchdown, give me the Jets. What do you yeah. say, Slick? Philly 12-0 all-time against the Jets. They're going to smoke them. Philly's on a mission to play the Niners I in the NFC Championship game. Okay. Yeah. All right. There you go. Slick's on the opposite side. So we yeah. got a little bonus game thrown in there last minute me and Aaron on the Jets yeah. Slicks on the Eagles we'll see who's right how many points on that seven six and a half I like it all right all right there's an odds makers for a week seven in college football all right, any other news, uh, Rick Delgado, you want to get to? Uh, real quick, I know last night we hit on the Mary Lou Retton story. Congratulations that, that they were able to raise all that money for yeah. her, for her uh, health care bills. Uh, but this uh, other story, a uh, sad one, Bruce Willis is now relatively incommunicative uh, after his dementia diagnosis, mm. friends reveal, and uh, it's not looking good for the former uh, movie star and star of the hit show, Moonlighting. Yeah. All right, David Zier, any last 10 seconds, anything else on your uh, mind? Yeah, just keep in mind that last Saturday's attacks in Israel were the third largest terrorist attacks against the United States after 9-11 and the Pulse nightclub shooting. And you have Cash Patel deaths. coming up next week. Next Tuesday, 10-17, 7 p.m. At the America First Warehouse. The great David Zier and Cash Patel. Have a great weekend, everybody. We salute everybody. All our emergency personnel, everybody. Everybody on the show. Aaron Fran, thanks. We'll see you all on Monday night. Have a great weekend, 8 p.m. right here live from Studio 6B. 